Well, hi, I'm Patrick Schwenk, and I am so thankful you are listening in with me today at Root Like Faith. It is our deepest desire to encourage and equip men and women to be rooted in God's Word, transformed by the love of Jesus, and moved by His mission and the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is more important. Well, today I'm really excited because we have a special guest. Uh, This is someone that Ruth and I have had the privilege of knowing now for almost eight or nine years. And we're going to be talking about parenting and shaping faith within our family. And I can't wait to share with you today's episode with you and introduce to you our guest. And so let's get started. Well, my guest today is Clay Clarkson. Clay is a graduate of Denver Seminary. He has served in pastoral ministry in a variety of places over the years. And in 1994, he and his wife, Sally, started Whole Heart Ministries. He's also the author of numerous books. Some of those include Educating the Wholehearted Child, Our 24 Family Ways, Heartfelt Discipline, and the Life-Giving Parent. He and Sally are also the proud parents of four grown children. Clay, welcome to Root Like Faith. Hey, thanks, Pat. It's good to be here today. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk. You know, Ruth and I, on a previous episode, we were talking about a, a couple that really had a big influence on us early in our marriage, and th- their names are Michael and Barb Spencer. And this was probably 22 years ago. I don't even know. I think Ruth and I were just dating, and we would go over to their house, and we would have dinner with them. Uh, they had uh, several children, and we would sit in their family room, and we would talk. And I remember... One of those those nights that we were over there, they gave us a copy of Educating the Wholehearted Child. Now, that was huh. over 22 years ago. And I remember looking at that and seeing you know th- that book and, and seeing these names, Clay and Sally Clarkson. And little did I know at that time that, that almost 10 years later, Ruth and I would have the opportunity to get to know you guys personally. And uh, you know, Ruth has spoken at, at several conferences with Sally, and Sally has been just such an incredible a mentor to Ruth, and we've been at your house on numerous occasions and have stayed with you and done some ministry together. And so we just are incredibly uh, grateful for the influence that you've had in our life. But it's funny to think back so many years ago, uh, what started with with somebody giving us a book and, and where that relationship has gone. You guys have shaped us in in countless ways. And so I just want to begin by saying thank you for the influence you've had on Ruth and I and the influence you've had on our family and so many families uh, more than you know. So I'm just really excited to talk with you. I'm excited for our listeners uh, to uh, to hear from you as well. And so yeah. I want to get started with just sort of a yeah. big picture question. And, um, and again, we've got a lot of listeners, maybe some moms and dads that maybe are just starting out building a family. They've got young kids at home. And maybe there are some that are listening that have kids that are they're out of the house now. But Let's just start with a big picture question. I mean, how would you describe God's vision for the family and its role in passing on faith? Well, I'm, I'm Gal. I love your idea of, of rooted faith, that idea of the seed, the root, the full plant, because that's kind of how I think about, you know, when God designed the family uh, in Genesis, that was the first institution, and that became kind of a microcosm for those that would, with increasing uh uh, coverage of his creation would grow from there, from the family to uh, earthly governments to church and eventually to the kingdom of God over all things. And so I think in some ways that that uh, the original evangelistic strategy in my mind b- begins with the family, that that's where faith is formed and uh, pa- passed on. And I always like to talk about 
that within the great commission of Matthew 28, there's also a great family commission that we need to be raising disciples in our homes, as well as thinking about uh, making disciples outside the home. So I think it all starts there and kind of that big picture that the family is the the first place to start that. Yeah, I love that. I, I as you know, I, I finished up my doctoral studies out at Biola. My my dissertation, I actually titled it "Go Home," and it was that yeah. that idea of, of go make disciples, but but begin you know right where you're at in, in the context of your home. And I love that you're exactly right. You you see that that picture, you know, paint of God's intention for. Um, the family has designed for the family and uh, God uniquely uses you know, the family to pass on faith. And, you know, um, one of the things that Ruth and I have talked about over the years is that it's interesting when you look at that account in Genesis, um, that, that that's really the first social um, institution that the enemy attacks. And so you see uh, marriage and family come under attack very early on in, in God's redemptive yeah. story. And so on one level, there's nothing new. You know, marriage and family has, has experienced different threats ever since then. And yet at the same time, we, we are really living in, I think, a unique time. And there are, I think, in every uh, generation, there are unique challenges and threats to the family and, and to the home. But what would you say about today? I mean, what unique threats or struggles should a family be aware of? Yeah, there's so many that it's hard to uh, limit it. But I, in my mind, I think there's a couple that probably stand out in the uniqueness of our cultural moment where we are and, and just in America and that sort of thing. But I think the, and these come back to that plant analogy as well to a little bit is the first first one I might think about might be disconnectedness that we live in a very um uh, fragmented culture. Uh, and so many families are pulled apart at every point of the day. Uh, kids are doing different things. Parents are doing different things. And it's hard to find that sense of, it's kind of like uh, a, a plant being pulled out of soil. It's disconnected from the place where it's meant to get life. Yep. And it will look okay for a while lying on the ground there. But over time, it's going to uh, die and, and not uh, have any life. So I think disconnectedness is the first thing we've got to really, uh, that's a real threat, I think, to the uh, unity that God designed for families to have. The second, the other thing I would say is what maybe distraction. Mm -hmm. And I just think there's far too many uh, variant influences in our culture today from media to schools to friends to uh, uh, magazines to whatever it may be, music, all sorts of uh, influences that can distract from the core truths that we want to uh, build into our children's lives. So that whole idea of forming faith needs both of those things. It needs connectedness and it needs a lack of distraction because we need to be the first influence in our children's lives. Not the only, of course, but yeah. the first influence. Yeah. And so I think, you know, and, and that happens in a garden. If there's too many other things going on being planted, you know, the plant doesn't get watered. It doesn't get the right food. It doesn't get the right care. And so it's kind of that same picture again, is that if we want our children to thrive, as healthy plants in this garden of our home, uh, then we need to 
be connected and undistracted uh, in our role as parents. Yeah, that's so good. We we were, you know, in some ways that you know we're we're in the midst obviously of, of a global pandemic, so we're all sort of on right. on shutdown in many ways. You know, that has been such a good thing for for yeah. a lot of families, and hopefully that's been a, a really good thing for a lot of families. I know that's been true for us, and you feel like we've gone from I know you know our kids were involved in basketball back in December, January, and February. And so we went from being pretty busy with that to all of a sudden, you know, not being allowed to leave our home. Right. And yet that has been such a, a good thing for us. And it's allowed us to to kind of recalibrate and to refocus on on some rhythms that that we have had as a family over the years. And to then begin to re-engage now as things start to loosen up and, and restrictions begin to loosen, we're able to kind of go back into somewhat of a normal um, daily routine with, with some of those practices and rhythms that we've that we've held in place. And yet so many families don't have those things. And, and you are like you're talking about families are just kind of pulled in so many different directions. Their kids are involved in all sorts of different activities all throughout the year. And it can be a real challenge to that primary calling of, of you know, shepherding a child's heart and forming faith in them. Um, help our listeners understand like what that looks like then for, for a Christian family to begin building a home that withstands the, the kind of cultural changes that, that you're talking about or that we're experiencing today. Yeah, and the, <clears throat> this is obviously a much longer answer than right. I have time here for, for here. But uh, one one thing I always like to come back to is a, a, a really what I consider a key parenting passage in Scripture, which is the parable of the sower. Which <laughs> you might yep. not think of that as a key parenting passage, but I've yep. always found it to be very helpful because uh, when you and I'm not going to exegete or exposit the parable of the sower here, but when you come down to the very end, it's it's where you know the seed, which is the by the way the the message of the gospel in Luke. Uh, when it, it falls on different kinds of soil, it yeah. doesn't get root, it gets choked out and, and those kinds of things. But uh, Luke says, but the seed that fell in good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. And what I like about that picture is that what I think what Jesus is saying here is that uh, the key is the soil. It's creating good soil. Mm. What is that soil? It's the heart. Yeah. And and it's interesting that he says that the word that or that the seed that fell in a uh, in the New American calls it an honest and good heart. There's two words there in the Greek that are basically the same. They're they're synonymous for good. One being more generally an ethical goodness, what's true. One being an aesthetical goodness, what's mm. beautiful and right. Mm. And uh, so the idea is being that this heart was prepared. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just, you know, hey, there's some soil. I'm going to toss yeah. Maybe I'll toss enough seeds and something will eventually grow. That's not the picture that, that Jesus presents here. So uh, I think what the parable is telling us, and actually I wish I had time to go into it, but we see this in the life of Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 mm -hmm. as well, um, where his mother and grandmother, from the time he was an infant in yep. the womb, yep. heard the word, and uh, that led him to salvation. But this idea that the heart is where we need to focus, and that giving a child a sense of the goodness of God in all of its mm. dimensions, its ethical and its aesthetical dimensions, is what Jesus is saying. That's where salvation, that's where faith forms first, that we create the good soil in our children's hearts 
So when the seed of the gospel falls there, whenever that is, it finds root. And what does he say? That it's uh, they hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. So that's my yeah. that's was always our desire as parents. Is that's yeah. what we want to create create that opportunity for our children to take the seed in and for it to grow and bear fruit. I love that. that that's so good. I mean, you're, you're talking about really cultivating a child's heart and, and just helping that by, by the help of the Holy Spirit, cultivating fertile soil of the heart. I mean, just kind of share, because I can, I can hear a listener saying, ah, oh, I love that. That's so good. But, but how does that look really practically in a home? How, how does that look if you've got a child that's, that's five or six or maybe 13 or 14? I mean, sort of break that down just a little bit and, and share what that might look like on a very practical or, you know, just in a very practical way. Yeah. You know, one of my books I talk about, we hear the word discipline, but it's really, uh, we, we, there's a lot of baggage with that word. Yeah. It's really, uh, the idea of biblical discipline is helping our children get on the path of life and to walk that path successfully and to thrive there and, and to be fulfilled there. And so that's basically, I, I say three things, it's direction, correction, and protection. So, I'm wanting the the first thing I'm wanting to do, and I really think this has to do in in great deal with this idea of creating the good soil, is I want to give them direction. I want them to know what God has said about them and about the world in which they're coming to live in and what it means to live a life that's going to be full of blessing, pleasing God. How do you stay on this path of life? And that's what much of the book of Proverbs is about, really. Yeah. Uh, so direction is the first thing, and that idea of goodness, I just want to reflect to them a good God, not a God that is their adversary, but mm-hmm. a God that is their advocate, who is wanting to walk with them and wanting to bless them. And of course, there's the correction, so sometimes the children are going to wander off the path, and I want to gently bring them back on that path. And then there's the protection, because there are lots of temptations and and things in this world where the enemy is wanting to pull our children off the path. He doesn't yeah. want them there. So uh, those three things, I think, are the first places. But in those faith formative years, I think in that whole process of creating a heart that is able to uh, understand and respond to the goodness of God, I think that's two main areas. Is One is, is, is being aware of the appetites that I'm creating mm-hmm. my child. How am I giving them ap- appetites for good things, for beauty, for truth, uh, rather than for counterfeit things of those? Too much uh, Saturday morning TV, you know, yeah. too much uh, empty, what, what we used to call twaddle, uh, books that and, and reading and, and yeah. media that don't provide any real substance for a yeah. child's life to think about. And uh, so one is really focusing on appetites, helping your children to develop the kinds of appetites that will enable them to want the things of God, those good things of God. And the other thing is just being aware of influences. Mm-hmm. I think in my, in my understanding of spiritual formation, one of the primary, and we don't really talk about this very much because we have more technical terms to talk about it, but one of the primary influence, one of the primary uh, roles of a parent is to influence their child for God. And and that's a, uh, that's a, a kind of a uh, relational, 
uh, and content and, and instruction. There's a lot of things that go into that. But it's thinking, it's just keeping in mind all the time that I am influencing my child, what they see me doing, what they hear me saying. Yeah. These are all for, fate-forming influences. So it's not to put some sort of big, uh, oh, you've got to do these things this way, these 10 things, and if you don't, oh my gosh, you're, you know, you're really in trouble with your child. It's really much more organic and natural in, yeah. in my view, uh, and just just being aware of that and being a positive influence in your child's life yeah. will go farther than you can imagine all the, the kind of rules and regulation type of things yeah. would ever go. Yep. Well, it's Deuteronomy six. I mean, right. Yeah, you know, that's exactly. that, that classic passage, you know, as well, that foundational passage yep. is just, you know, as you go about your day, you know, you, you, and so that, I think that's exactly, you know, what you're talking about. I, I love that. I, I know, you know, Ruth and I had the, the privilege of reading, um, and then endorsing the life-giving parent. And I just, I can't recommend that book enough. There, there's just so much. And a lot of what you're talking about, um, now is, is in the book. And so I want to encourage people to, uh, to read that book out and buy that book. And one of the things you talk, and I know you, you just um, touched on it, but one of the things you talk about in, in the book is really protecting or, or guarding your child's heart. And in the book, um, in particular on that chapter, as it relates to guarding a child's heart, you talk about relationships, um, yeah. friendships. And so I'd love for you just real quickly, I mean, talk about how a parent can or should uh, guard a child's heart in that area as it relates to just different friendships as a child is growing up. I know that that's something that, that Ruth and I have have struggled with at different times over the years and have been very, very intentional about guarding uh, what what relationships uh, our kids were, were allowed to have at different times. And we had to say no to certain friendships uh, at, at different times. And, and so talk a little bit about how important that is when it comes to, to really guarding a child's heart. Yeah, I, you know, the, it's kind of a minefield in some ways to right. because kids have, you know, we want our children to have friends in the neighborhood, uh, school, wherever they at church, wherever they may be. Uh, and yet uh, that process of developing friends in entails opening your heart to another person and, and your heart becomes influenced and and it's not just child relationships either it's also adult relationships and being aware of those what kind of influence those uh, can bring into a child's life so i think it's really there's no easy answer to that other than really uh, it's a discernment process as a parent realizing that uh, i used to say you know uh it's kind of always been a pejorative thing to be a, an overprotective parent. Right. But I really think that God designed us to stand over our children to protect them. Yep. And in one of the main areas that that's true, and it's, it's, it's in this power of relationship, because we know how powerful and how influential relationships are yep. and friendships are. When And we had to watch that in our children's. We had several situations where we saw one of our children beginning to give their heart to a friend, but it wasn't uh, wasn't going to be a positive. So we one of the things we realize is that we need to have those friends in our home mm-hmm. rather than letting our child necessarily go to their home so the, so that we could be there and guide it and uh, and and be uh, involved in that and discerning what was going on. So it's really, I think a lot of 
just relational wisdom and discernment that comes into play in that. Yeah, no, that's such a great, I think just, you know, a parent can't be cautious enough or discerning enough. And, and it, I know that can be so sometimes just exhausting as a parent. And it can be, you know, hard to say no to certain friendships or relationships and to kind of, you know, stay on guard. And, and so it, yet it's so important. And yet we've, I know Ruth and I have, have been so blessed by um, different friendships that our kids have had as well in a positive way. And so we're, we're grateful for uh, some of those families and, and friendships, but uh, so important to, to be cautious in the other direction as well. I want to ask you about discipline. I know you've written a whole book called Heartfelt yeah. Discipline. And so um, there, there's so much you could say, but it, it seems like in parenting, you know, as it relates to discipline, that you, you kind of have two extremes. You have sort of this really rigid um, you know, kind of rule following type of parenting that can be domineering. And then the other extreme is just a really sort of overly permissive type parent that just kind of anything, you know, goes and you know, kids are going to be kids. And so just right. let them do whatever, you know, they want to do. I know you've already uh, sort of touched on, on discipline or training a little bit, but, but speak to what a more biblical view of, of discipline really is. Wow. Okay. Can we do the next three <laughs> sessions? On I know, right? <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. And I would just, uh, you know, uh, shameless plug here, but right. I really would encourage if anybody listening really has questions about what is the biblical idea of discipline, not just in general, but of a young child, what yeah. does scripture say? Because that's really where it usually uh comes into play in our families is when our children are young. And so, uh, and I can't go to all the aspects I'd love to right now, but basically uh, there is a strong biblical uh, perspective that we are meant to be our children's uh, advocates, not their adversaries, that our role is not to catch our children doing sin so we can uh, make sure that, you know, we, we get to that and stop it and it never happens again. Um, but we're to be our their advocates. I talk about the difference between a hands-off, which is the permissive, and a hands-on, which is the more uh, uh, strict discipline. Yes. But there's a hands-around kind of discipline there, and I believe that's really the biblical picture. And if you look, and I'll just, in a general sense, what I wrote the book Heartfelt Discipline around was looking at the book of Proverbs, where what is the picture of childhood discipline there? And we've we've gotten some words wrong in there I can't go into here. Yeah. But the bigger picture in the book of Proverbs is the path of life. And that was really a Hebraic way of looking at life and also at this idea of discipline, of keeping uh, our children on the path of life, and and how do we do that? And it's a very relational. Uh, if we begin to really step back from there and look at the bigger biblical pictures, and uh, particularly as you get into the New Testament, yeah. it becomes a very relational process of walking, talking. I think verbal is a very in, is a very critical and uh, part of our relationship with our children. Um, and so creating that verbal and, and life relationship with them. So we were walking together on this path of life. I'm not a, I'm not an advocate just waiting for them to put their toe over the edge of the path so I can pull them back on. I'm walking with them and wanting them to follow me as I walk on the path of life. Yep. 
That's so good. And we're going to link to um, to all of the books that we've mentioned. So those will be in the show notes for okay. uh, for those who are listening. And, and so I can't recommend enough Heartfelt Discipline. I know we read that, uh, Ruth and I read that um, a number of years ago, and it's a book that that I still come back to today. And, and so I highly, highly recommend that book. And, and you're right there that we could spend the next three episodes talking about yeah. that book alone. It's so, it's so good. And so I appreciate that. I want to ask you just a, a, two quick questions here yeah. um, as, as we wrap up, I, you know, your, your kids are incredible. We've, we've had the opportunity of, as I said before, you know, coming out and staying with you and Sally, we've, we've been in your home on numerous occasions and I have uh, spent time, with I think all of your kids except for one. I don't know that I've ever had the opportunity to meet Nathan. I think he was. Um, yeah. I can't remember where he was at when we were out there before. But New York, L.A. Yeah, I think he was in L.A. Yeah, and so, but your kids are incredible. I mean, where are they all at today? They're, they're kind of in all different parts of the country now, aren't they? Oh yeah, Nathan's in New York. He's married now and has. Uh, he's a filmmaker and actor, author. So he's there. Then two are in, in Scotland at St. Andrews studying for in their doctoral program in theology. And then that's uh, Joy and Joel, oldest, uh, uh, youngest daughter and oldest son. And then uh, Sarah, our oldest daughter, is married to have our two grandchildren. And yeah. she and her Anglican priest wife, uh, he, she's the wife of an Anglican priest, and they're living south of London right now and working in a church there. So they're all over the place. They are. <laughs> well, that's fine. I would love to hear what, you know, my, my mom um, passed away in 2012, and she was parenting me up until the point that, that she passed away. <laughs> and yeah. What I mean by that is that, that she never stopped caring for me. She never stopped offering wisdom. Um, one of my favorite memories was calling her every Sunday night, you know, as, as a pastor, I would preach most Sunday mornings and, and I, you know, my dad had passed away in 2010. And so in those two years, uh, I would call her almost every Sunday night. And one of the first questions she'd ask is, how did it go this morning? And, you know, we talk about church and, and yet she never stopped being a parent. And, and I just love that. And, and so I know parenting never ends, you know, even when your kids right. leave the house and they go off to Scotland or they, you know, they, they go to New York or LA. I mean, you just never stop being a parent, but obviously that relationship changes. It's different. And so how would you say parenting changes, uh, you know, when your kids leave, leave the house? How does that look? Yeah. Because um, obviously uh, that opportunity have, when they're in your home is so unique and it's fleeting. It goes by so fast. And yet you still have opportunity to, to influence them sure. as they leave their home. But it's so different. I'm, I'm going to go with a little uh, three, three point sermon outline here. Uh, and it's uh, <laughs> we're always investing in our children. So this idea of in and I think as a child, it's instruction. So we're building at that. That's what the idea of, of, the, of the word means is we're building uh, when they become young adults or teens. It's influence. And that idea has to flow into the word means to flow into. So we're always we're trying to flow into their lives and be a part of this developing human. And then when they leave the house now where we are with our kids, it's really involvement. We want to stay involved and that the word has kind of do with to roll in to surround. So we want to be surrounding them 
uh, as they're entering their own uh, arenas of influence and and just be be available to them and, and being a part of their lives. Yeah, that's so good. I, I, I know that alone for especially for parents that maybe have had kids just recently transition out of the home that that those right. categories will be so helpful for them because I know there's so many couples that really struggle. They, they, you know, when, you know, when their kids leave home, it's difficult to know kind of what that relationship is supposed to look like. And so I love that. Is, is there anything that you and you and Sally would look back now, now that your kids are out of the home? And, and as you just said, there's different ways now that you, you stay involved with them and, and still influence, sure. but is there anything you'd look back and go, boy, if I could do over those first five years or 10 years or 15 years of parenting, um, is there anything you would look back and do different or focus more on um, that, that you didn't before? Uh, sure. I think we all do that. Not that there are regrets, but just said, hey, I wish I'd done a little bit more of that. I really believe in the power of the verbal power in the home and mm. just talking, particularly when your children are young and especially when they're teens. Uh, mm. But I think it really gets back to also to my book, the book that I just wrote, uh, uh, The Life-Giving Parent, which is the idea of I, I really would want to think more uh, strategically and seriously about how do I bring the life of God into my home? Because in the end, it's not me or Sally right. that are going to be able to be everything our children need, every influence that uh, in the end, it's going to be the, them seeing the life of God and them experiencing the life mm. of God within the walls of our homes through through us, through what's going on in our home, through the word of God, things that they hear. And so I'd want to think more fully about that, that idea of bringing it really of, of kind of bringing truth, uh, goodness and beauty yeah. uh into my home, the, the, the truth of God, the beauty of God and the goodness of God. Yeah. And, uh, just, you know, uh, all those things through, uh, through talking, through, uh, creation, music, art, words, through, uh, just really reflecting the goodness of God in all that we have and enjoy from his hand, all those things. I think I would just really think more about how do I create that life in my home? So good. Well, thank you again. Uh, again, as I said at the beginning, we, we're so grateful. Ruth and I are just incredibly grateful for the influence you and Sally have have had on our marriage and family and continue uh, to have. And so we're just grateful. I feel like everything I've written on family has come from you. <laughs> and so uh, well, and so um, well, I, I, we're, we're grateful for that. And you, as I said before, you guys have, have impacted more families than you know. And so um, thank you again for, for your time today. I know it's going to be a huge uh, blessing to our listeners. Well, thanks, Pat. It's been good to be with you. Well, as always, uh, you can go to our show notes on rootlikefaith.com forward slash podcast. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Patrick W. Schwenk and Ruth Schwenk or on Facebook. And as if I don't say it enough already, we are thrilled that you are joining us and we welcome you into our family here at Root Like Faith. And so be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you don't miss an episode. 